Welcome to Game Changing Ed with Donika Arnold-Brown. Come in, take a seat, and get ready for this interactive and meaningful lesson designed to enhance your everyday educational walk. This weekly podcast will offer quick gems from educational leaders and teachers to help you be successful. Now, let's get started. Welcome, guys, to the Classroom Game Changing Ed podcast. Today, we've got a great guest. We've got Joshua Brothers on the line. Hi, Joshua. Hi, Donica. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? Oh, it's been a beautiful day here in Utah. I can't say the same for Texas, but you know, we're getting there. We're getting better. (laughs) We're getting better. Um, So welcome to the podcast. If if you would, um, just tell everyone um, who you are, where you are. You said that already. What your position is um, and kind of where you started and how you got into education. Yeah, my path has actually been a little wild. Currently, I teach uh, high school English. I cover AP language and composition, English language arts, 10 through 11, depending on the year. Um, I also teach the yearbook and publishing, and I'm also running the first and only poetry slam class in Utah. Um, I've been in education for the past six years. I actually taught for three years in elementary school. I taught fourth grade for a while, and then I transitioned to um, teaching on secondary ed. Um, and recently I had the chance to give a TED talk at TEDx Salt Lake City. And one of my goals is just advancing and elevating the profession and helping educators really understand how they can incorporate compassion into their classroom and create a culture that really works for them. Right. right. That's, that's great. And with that, you know, one of the things that we focus on here at G, uh, GCA is supporting and giving resources to our new teachers in the classroom. So talk a little bit about how you first got started and what were some support, um, what was some advice or some resources that really helped you out during your first year? Well, I know that there's a lot of teachers out there that may have followed the same path that I've been in. I actually came through the alternative route to licensure Mm-hmm. And a lot of ARL teachers give a shout out to them. Um, we need you. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Uh, but it can be a little crazy for those teachers who haven't necessarily gone through a traditional teacher preparation program. And I feel like I was really lucky where I came from. I had a little bit of experience with teaching um, previously by working in a writing center at Weber State University and helping develop their curriculum for the developmental English program. But when I first came into the classroom, I was just kind of thrown in and I was a little trepidatious the up to the very first minute of my first class. (laughs) And then I was able to say, good morning, class. And I all said, good morning back. And um, I, I just fell in love with it. I know that for myself, one of the biggest things that helped me out in the classroom was engaging with the love and logic program. Um, are you familiar with Love and Logic with Jim Fay? I'm not. Tell us about it. Yeah, um, they're two guys, um, father and son actually, who actually started developing a program to help parents as well as teachers in classrooms. And what it really does is it helps set up a dynamic where you can communicate clearly to kids and in any relationship really good expectations 
and then how to follow through with appropriate consequences, whether positive or negative, and how to really take the emotional side of creating classroom culture um, and what we might traditionally call classroom management mm -hmm. and put it in your hands and make it easier for you to interact with those students. And it really centers around your ability to be consistent, to be level, to present loving and positive language. And when I started really engaging these techniques, that's what really helped me out my first year in the classroom. Um, I think that one of the biggest issues I had was that I kept on changing my discipline strategies. And one of the things that they focus on with the Love and Logic program is transitioning away from this idea that it's so much classroom management as much as classroom leadership mm -hmm. and creating the right relationship dynamic. Um, a lot of the research that was done by Carol Osterman about, uh, I guess it was about 18 years ago in 2000, really showed us as educators that the strongest indicator of academic achievement, success, and growth is the relationship that a student has with their teacher. Mm -hmm. And so when I kept changing the dynamic of our relationship by altering discipline strategies, by getting frustrated with, well, well, this is working, so I'm just gonna change this, and failing to follow through, it was like going back to square one every time I did that. And so the kids didn't know what to expect, I didn't know what to expect, and then when things didn't start working again, I would change again. <laughs> right. That really created a bit of chaos in, the, in our ability to actually create the right dynamic between teacher and student. And it sounds very fam uh, similar and familiar to a lot to restorative justice that's being pushed here um, oh, yeah. quite a lot. And um, one of the things I always talk about with new teachers and even veteran teachers is that it's about the relationship you have with the students and not that you necessarily really need to have a love, not loving, but you don't need to be close to a student. Sure. But they definitely need to understand that you respect where they're coming from mm -hmm. and that you hear that they matter and their issues matter and you're not just holding them accountable to something that may have happened two and three days or two weeks ago. It's really building the relationship so that you can start over with those students and kind of give them another chance to show you that they can meet your expectations. Oh, we want to give them every single chance that we can. Exactly. This is, we, we run learning environments and we'd be shooting ourselves in the foot if <laughs> we weren't allowing them to learn how to be good people in that environment exactly. and allowing them to have those opportunities to move forward. Um, and as we learn to employ that restorative justice, I've, I've really found that it has to do with the way that I engage the language that helps me indicate that I am empathetic. And, and don't get me wrong, I think that when we're creating those relationships, I'm very clear with my students that I'm not your friend, I'm your teacher. Right. And that doesn't mean that we can't have a friendly relationship, but I'm going to be your teacher first. And when certain things happen, um, rather than being accusatory in the language that I use, 
I choose to be more empathetic. And that's part of what the love and logic helps create. Mm -hmm. um, for example, say a student has forgotten their homework or they don't have their homework. Instead of being accusatory and say, well, you forgot your homework, you need to do this better. Say, oh man, I can understand how frustrating that must be. Here's what's going to happen. And next time we can try again. Right. And that way I can present the consequence that's going to be there. I've been empathetic with them because it is frustrating. And sometimes we do forget things. But then I'm also providing them with a way forward and a chance and understanding that I'm going to let them try again the next time as well. And, and that encourages them to actually start moving forward and uh, meeting our expectations as teachers. Exactly. Exactly. Very good. So and you, you've talked about it a little bit, but what, what are some other things that kind of stand out to you that you experienced during your first year that really helped shape you into the educator that you are now? <laughs> um, well, you know, I did have a teacher trainer uh, that did pop in from time to time that first year. And she said something that has stuck with me. And I've actually got a student teacher in my classroom right now <laughs> and, and it's been fun to work with her and, and she's doing an amazing job. But one thing that I taught to her is and I'd, I'd have her stand up because there are unexpected things that happen throughout the day. And when we have to change our schedule just a little bit, I had her stand up, put her hands on her hips. And then I said, we are flexible. <laughs> and it's really that ability to think on your feet, to be adaptable, has helped me a lot in the classroom to respond to students individually, as well as lead a classroom discussion um, and allow a classroom discussion to kind of go where it, where it will and still be able to tie it back to our big rock that we're covering for that day. Um, I remember one time when I was teaching in fourth grade, I think it was probably my second year teaching, I had uh, students and we were doing math. And all of a sudden I had a kid off to the side and he gasped. And I turned and looked outside and there had been a large group of birds that had taken off from the telephone wires just nearby. And rather than saying, hey, get your attention back over here, you know, snapping my fingers and saying, let's get back to math. I paused for a second. I invited the entire class over to the window. We watched for about 30 seconds and I asked them a few questions about, well, what's the name of the study of birds? Well, you're gonna be an ornithologist and look at the way that they move. Isn't that beautiful? Would that be cool to see some artwork of that? Um, you would have to actually know a lot of math to be able to reproduce this as a digital animator if you wanted to work for Pixar. And I said, really? I was like, yeah, absolutely. And about a minute after that, they had the chance to have gotten out of their seats. They all got to take a look. We came back and then I was able to bring that attention back and we continued on with math. And that flexibility um, gave me the opportunity to capitalize on a small moment that engaged their interest on an individual level um, also helped me bring their attention back because, you know, little kids, fourth graders, third graders, second graders, they need the chance to move out of their desk every now and again and, and get that movement. And that actually had them be more engaged when we went back into the math lesson as we were learning about fractions. Um, and so that flexibility and the ability to 
take advantage of those small moments that pop up has been a really transformative part of the way that I seek to teach. And that's really, um, if you think about it, it's kind of that trend now of giving students brain breaks. So giving them a chance to kind of step away from a formal lesson that you have planned and what you want to put into them to really just giving them an opportunity to creatively think about what's going on in that moment. And then, like you said, just kind of redirecting them back to your original lesson so that they're now vested in it because you've given them a chance to kind of wander off for a quick second. And brains need that uh, change in pace every now and again as well. And uh, there's some great tools out there. I'm sure you're familiar with Go Noodle and, yeah. and, and Pear Deck and, and Brain Gym. There's some great ways that, that you can engage that. Um, and I think that as we recognize that we're not just filling computer banks in their heads, but exactly. we're human beings mm -hmm. and engaging them on that human level and understanding, you know what, myself, when I'm studying, I need a brain break. <laughs> I can't do it eight hours straight every day. Um, so it's an important thing to be able to flexibly use those shifts. In fact, when I'm teaching high school, I still do some of those small brain break things. And uh, we've actually done a few co-noodles. And at the beginning of the year, they thought it was kind of silly, but they've come to really enjoy it. And sometimes we stand up and we just do a little bit of yoga and I'll, I'll wake them up and we'll do some stretches and it takes 30 seconds. But then everybody's woken up and they've got some more blood in their brain and they can really engage with the material at that point. Yeah, and one thing that I, I've, I've talked about in a presentation before with that is it also gives an opportunity for your struggling learners or your learners who have been identified to meet some criteria of learning deficiency to kind of de-stress about something that they may feel like they're not going to get. So giving them an opportunity to relax before yeah. you then go into something that they may already have some stress about. Um, so that's, that's, um, uh, that's great because it's, it's, they need it. They need it. Um, so as you, as you've gone through and you've changed pretty much gone from primary to secondary now in the high school, what do you think are some of the important relationships that teachers should have or that have helped you? Um, be able to be successful in the classroom and just be successful as a campus leader? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, it's been an interesting journey because in both of the schools that I taught at, I eventually moved into teacher training positions. And I think that it's important in any school, so if you're an administrator or even a teacher yourself, to have mentor relationships. And if you are a first-year teacher and you don't have a mentor program set up, that doesn't mean that you can't find one. Um, to not be afraid to reach out and ask another teacher to watch what they do or to ask them to come in and watch you teach. Um, when I had uh, the opportunity to have someone come into my classroom, I relished it. I, I needed it. And when I moved over to the high school sphere, um, I would take my first prep periods of the year and just go watch my colleagues teach, get ideas, share materials with each other. And what that does is it not only gives you a wider range of skills because you're learning from them, but it also fosters a sense of goodwill between each other because your co-teachers will see that you value what they're bringing to the table. 
And because of that, what I experienced was that those teachers I was going to go watch started taking some time to come and watch me. Mm -hmm. And I actually had some things that I was able to share with them. And that actually brought us closer together as a team. Um, and if you're an administrator, if you have the chance to start one of those mentor programs, I don't think we can ever go wrong by investing in our people and helping them feel that support and helping them uh, feel valued enough that you care about their skill sets and that you care about their ability to do their job. Um, yeah, I would say that those are probably the biggest relationships. On the other side of things, I was just talking with my student teacher about it. And a teacher can never go wrong by creating preventative relationships. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that when you reach out to your parents um, of your students every now and again, I try to make sure that once a week on Fridays, I take a little bit of time to contact five parents and I'll send them something good that their student did and just say, Hey, you know what? This week, this is what your student did. And I'm really glad that they're in my class. And I felt such an overwhelming sense of support and there actually comes, I see greater results on the homework as well because parents are now following up with their students because they want them to do well in my class because I'm appreciating their children. Yeah. Uh, and and none, no parent has ever responded poorly to me reaching out and telling them something good about their kid. Um, but then at the same time, when something does happen, um, I don't have to bog down my administrators with discipline issues, mm -hmm. except for the very serious ones. And I'm able to handle those issues together with my parents um, just fine because we've already fostered that relationship and created that relationship. And so as much as it's important to create relationships and positive um, engagement with my students, it's just as important for me to create positive relationships with my parents. And really when I reach out to those five parents, it takes me 10 minutes max mm. to send one of those quick emails off. Yeah, and kind of to backtrack to what you said, one of the things I always tell new teachers, or even really, if you, even if you think about teachers who change schools or change districts, um, but especially for new teachers in the, um, in the field, it's you don't know what you don't know. Yes. So, um, it's really important to come, in, come into it wanting to learn so that you can be better for your students because you just don't know what you don't know. And, you know, that that's a great piece of advice is going in to watch um, veteran teachers or other teachers, because I mean, that's the, that, that's what I used to do. Even after my first few years, I would still go watch teachers and kind of just take things that would work, especially when you're having issues with students. Um, oh yeah. Watching other teachers interact with students was so important for me. Yeah. Because you learn things because all your students are different. They're not going to be the same from year to year. They're not going to be the same from period to period. You really need to know kind of what works. And so when you do that, you can see the techniques that other teachers use or the ways that they incentivize them to make sure that they're engaged. Um, and then I was always a teacher who I would love for my administrators to come in because I, like, I'm a consummate learner. Like I need, I want you to tell me how I can get better. 
because it's just going to help me um, not just with um, what they need to know academically, but it's going to help me with building relationships and classroom management in my classroom. Um, and so I think people sometimes, sometimes we as teachers can get a little um, defensive when we see administration come in rather than saying, you know, it is their job to support me in being a good instruction, instructional uh, facilitator on this campus. So what can they tell me or help me with that's just going to help me get better? Yeah, well, I mean, for most administrators, I'd say that's probably their favorite part of the job. Because mm-hmm, they're not in the classroom anymore. <laughs> yeah, right. And they they probably miss it. Yeah. That, that's kind of what's kept me out from trying to go into administration to tell you the truth because I don't want to leave my classroom. Exactly. Um, you know, it, I had an interesting um, experience when I was in college. Um, I went to Weber State on a violin scholarship. And I, I played the violin for their orchestra and their chamber orchestra. And, and it was a full-time job for me um, playing music. And I had this professor and his name was Dr. Wong and he is an amazing violinist, but he really taught me a really important lesson about being one of those engaged learners and just saying, I'm going to take any opportunity to tell me what I can do, right? Help me improve. Um, And he was one of those kind of traditional Asian tiger teachers. Um, And it was just curious because, um, Dr. Wong was an interesting character because he had a peg leg and um, it could bend at the knee, but he never did. He just used it as a peg leg. So he kind of walked around like a pirate and, um, and he had a stick that he would carry around with him. And if you were doing something wrong, he would smack the stand to make kind of a loud sound or he'd poke you with it. (laughs) And he'd say, (laughs) no, again. And I know that every single person in that program at some point or another probably left his room just crying because their egos couldn't take how closely he would just get right on what it was that you were doing wrong. And I remember this one time I was working on a Bach uh, partita and there was this one section that I just could not get my fingers around. And he started, brought out the stick and he was poking me and he smacked the stand and said, no, again, and he even went to a point where he pulled his violin out and said, no, like this, and played it perfectly. And I was getting really frustrated. And I actually hollered at him. And I, I said, Dr. Wong, why don't you ever tell me anything I'm doing right? <laughs> and he leaned back and he, and he lifted his peg leg up and put it up on a bench mm-hmm. and kind of sat back. And he said, Josh, if you will take me out to lunch, I will tell you all the things you're doing right. And I was shocked. And I said, really? Like, okay, where do you want to go? Do you want to go to Subway? Or like, you know, let's go. <laughs> I'm all for that. And then he said this. He said, but Josh, do you already know what you're doing right? And that gave me some pause. And I said, well, well, I did that pretty good. You know, kind of pedally. And he's like, yes. And that part was pretty good. Yes. And that part, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves, he said. (laughs) And he said, Josh, if you know what you're doing right, why do you need me to tell you? Mm -hmm. I only get 45 minutes per week to catch what you're doing wrong before you practice it into a bad habit. 
and you're playing the violin. At that time, I was playing between 35 and 40 hours a week. And out of that, I only get 45 minutes to catch what you're doing wrong before you practice it into a bad habit. And because I care about you, I don't want to waste your time. Now, would you like me to use your time that you are paying me for to tell you what you're doing right or to help you be a better violinist? And that totally reframed the entire way that I received feedback. And after that point in any job that I've been in um, and any classroom that I've been in, anytime a teacher trainer shows up or an administrator comes to watch, I just go into that frame of mind. And it's just like, yeah, all right, bring it. I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. Neither are my students. I don't expect them to be perfect. And I give them feedback all the time. Right. Why should I be afraid of feedback? Exactly. So just chill out. most administrators most admit i'm not going to say all but most administrators are not out to get you they care about you and they have a good time when they come into your classroom don't be afraid of them (laughs) exactly exactly so any well and the last thing i want to talk about or ask you about is how do you or what advice would you give for any educator who wants to expand their reach or their touch or really their professional learning network outside of the classroom? Because, you know, you've had a TED talk, you know, you're doing things outside of the classroom that are great, the poetry um, slam, the writing center, you know, how, 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 what was, what's one of the first things you would tell someone um, to encourage them to, expand their learning and their reach and their teaching outside of the classroom? You know what? The biggest thing for me has been just cultivating relationships outside the classroom. Just be friends with people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it all kind of started as I grassroots level, again, just started reaching out to my co-teachers and saying, can I come and watch your classroom? When people see that you're interested in them, they respond. And that's how the Writing Center came about. And that's how Poetry Slam came about. I went into a classroom and watched a teacher do a lesson on poetry. And we started talking a little bit more and and we found out that we were both interested in Poetry Slam. I performed at the National Poetry Slam in Oakland in 2015 and he's been involved with the Poetry Slam scene here in Utah for quite a few years. And so we decided to start a class together. And um, having gone out to watch some other teachers, we decided, well, let's get together and pitch for a grant to start a writing center. And even talking to you, I was on Instagram and I thought what you were doing was great. So I sent a small note that said, hey, would you be interested in getting together to talk? (laughs) Right. What you're doing is awesome. And, um, and I think that you're just a fabulous human being, Donica. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you want to lead, um, if you want to reach out, then what you have to do is just talk to people. Start fostering those relationships outside the classrooms. The way that I actually got engaged with Ted is because I made friends with a guy named Nate Bagley who um, I've become really famous friends with, and he runs an amazing podcast called The Love Umentary. And he saw what I was doing in education, and he gave me the nudge to apply to TED. 
And so just reaching out and not remaining so insular and appreciating what other people are offering opens up those opportunities for you because then they start to appreciate what you have to offer. And that's what creates that network that helps us build and grow together. Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I thank you for reaching out because connecting with you has definitely been um, inspiring because it, you know, when you connect with someone who's doing those things that you want to do, that's in line with what um, you see and how you think education should be and the changes that need to be made, it makes you want to do more and be better. So I appreciate you reaching out um, and offering me this opportunity to interview you. And I know we're going to have a kind of a crossover um, because (laughs) I'm actually starting my very first podcast. It's going to be called the teach in the sneaks. Kind of like the cat in the hat. (laughs) Right, right. I can't wait. I can't wait. So again, I appreciate your time and anytime we can do this again, once you get the writing center up, if you do another talk, I will be reaching out again for a part two. So be ready. Um, <laughs> that sounds good. I'm not afraid. Yeah. So thank you so much. And um, I yeah. look forward to talking to you again. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks, Sonica. Thanks again for our sub for today, guys. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at GameChangingIt and GameChangingIt.com. Have a great day.